Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Special congrats to the fans, the uh, the DMZ Army and Western DMZ today, Bill. We may not have a speaker as of the time we're recording this, but we do have a World Series lineup. Uh, your Arizona Diamondbacks will face off against the Texas Rangers, Bill. Uh, I've been barely following this. So these are, uh, they're both wildcard teams, right? I think so. I know the uh, the Rangers sadly defeated the uh, the Orioles, my team. My my team won the the division, uh, the American League East. Um, so yeah, I think these are teams that got hot at the right time, and the Diamondbacks, um, you know, took out the uh, the Philadelphia Phillies in Philadelphia. Bill, imagine that they throw batteries and snowballs at Santa Claus there. Come on. So so Philadelphia, which has some of the most intense fans in the country were beaten at home by a team who can't sell out their own park for playoff games. Do I understand that correctly? I think that's about right. A team that plays in a, uh, you know, most most of the time in a dome. I think it's retractable. <laughs> um, I was explaining to my kids uh, that in Philadelphia, they take sports like super seriously. I feel like in Arizona, there's a lot of other fun stuff to do. And so baseball is kind of an afterthought. Um, and they're also, it's transient. There's a lot of people like snowbirds who come to Arizona part of the year and then go back home. Um, but people who live in Philly live in Philly. And uh, so I think the intensity is a little different. But you know what? Home field advantage this year has not mattered. I mean, it happened to my Orioles. They won the division. They had the first two games were home in Baltimore, dropped both. I mean, the crowd was full of, of you know, people with orange, terrible towels, uh, it didn't matter, and uh, in in the other in, in, in the, uh, the the Texas game, which was H- the Houston Astros versus uh, the Texas Rangers, I, I think it was the case that every single away game away team won, so nobody won a home game in the whole series. It's very weird. Now you mentioned Texas beat your Orioles, so are you the kind of person who wants the team? that beat his team to win it all so he can at least say, well, at least we got beat by like the best team. What were we, gonna, what were we supposed to do? Or do you want to exact vengeance in the team that beat you and want to see them lose? I'm okay with, I, you know, I think both both theories are uh, are are legit. I, I, I could buy into either theory. Uh, I'm going to go with vengeance, Bill. <laughs> I'm going to go. So I'm rooting for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, is, is, there a, is there a good guy, bad guy here? Is there a reason why we should hate one of these teams? I don't think so. And part of that is, I think that's part of why this World Series will not be terribly compelling. Both of these teams are are kind of likable, uh, somewhat vanilla, I think. There's nobody that I really hate on the teams. Um, it would be easy to hate Philadelphia or Bryce Harper or, you know what I mean? But like, I, I don't think that, it, that there's, I, I think that Texas and uh, Arizona are both somewhat likable. And, and there's no compelling characters. There's no outspoken personalities. Uh, there are some. There are some. And I don't know that much about these teams. I'm more of an Oriole fan than I am a baseball fan. But um, the, the 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 manager of the Texas Rangers, by the way, I think he has won um, six consecutive Game 7s, um, which, which is impressive. I, I think mm-hmm. that's the case. But... Um, he seems like a, a good guy, likable guy. Um, you know, maybe a storyline there, but I, yeah, I don't. I'm I don't know how much of this I'm actually going to watch. But congrats to uh, to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'll say it. I'll be pulling for you, <laughs> even if I don't watch. And, and and your fans may leave early, maybe in the seventh inning if you're down. That's okay. Uh, so Matt, I just I, before we got into the speaker business, which even though it's Wednesday morning and the vote hasn't happened yet on the Mike Johnson nomination, uh, it does seem like he's on the verge of getting it. So I, I just, I, I dipped into X just to see if there's any latest and greatest. And so a CNN reporter, Lauren Fox just posted, I asked Susan Collins what it would be like to work with Johnson on spending issues. And she said, she doesn't know him. I was going to Google him this morning. Uh, so, Welcome to the party, pal. Right. I, I think we're. I think almost everybody is on the same boat. Where they're like, "Who is this guy?" Um, I mean, 
he definitely comes from a very conservative district. He's a very conservative person from what a little I know. Uh, you, as a member of the conservative movement in good standing still. No, um, I don't do you, think do you, do you have any intimate knowledge of Mike Johnson? No. I had to Google him too. Um, but it's 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 interesting because it seems like, and I think you know more about the kind of 435 rank and file members than I do. I mean, I learned a little bit from my book, uh, Filthy Rich Politicians, where I, you know, investigated the really rich ones like like uh, Hearn, who was in, who was uh, Kevin Hearn, uh, who is one of the, the Mick congressmen, he made his money from McDonald's, owning McDonald's. Wait, so Mike Hearn. Johnson's not on your book. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, at least he's not he's not a top 10. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so I don't know much about him. It seems like you can find evidence that he's a sane sort of moderate. And then you can find evidence that he is an election denier who uh, tapped into his knowledge of constitutional law to try to overturn the elections. Well, I, I from, what, from what little I know, I think maybe temperamentally... He doesn't come across as pugnacious and confrontational as Jim Jordan did, but he was still pretty closely involved with the Trump team in trying to get the results overturned by pushing the theory that uh, state legislatures should have the right to send their own electors and argue that the Rules in their state you know, should not be, have been determined by by courts. Courts should not have been allowed to expand the franchise to, through through vote by mail procedures. Think things like that. Well, and I uh, think that I think that is a legitimate point. Um, well, not what I think that, by the Supreme Court at this, at this juncture. I mean, they, we've litigated that theory. Well, that the Supreme Court gets things right and they get things wrong. I mean, <laughs> that's you know, we abide by it, but. Just stick with me here for a second. Um, I think by the letter of the Constitution, um, it is state legislators, legislatures who uh, should be making the call based uh, based on voting procedure. Now, look, during 2020, there was a global pandemic, and it seems perfectly reasonable to me that for that time, you would want people to be able to vote by mail rather than standing in lines at polling locations because doing so could spread the virus or also disenfranchise people who simply wouldn't turn out to vote because they're afraid of dying. Um, so I understand why it happened. And, and normally I am not a big fan of early voting or mail-in voting. I, I would rather people vote on election day at the polls, but I understand why because of COVID-19, uh, that's probably wasn't a great idea in 2020. Having said that, I, again, I, I think that, that that's a decision that should have been made by legislators, not by courts. But if Trump felt that way, he should have challenged it at the time, not retroactively. You can't retro. And, and by the way, let's not pretend that that's what Trump was really upset about that, that mail-in voting was his concern. No, they were saying that Venezuela was stealing the election yeah. and that ballots were being stuffed and that, you know, the whole, there were a million different crazy conspiracies. Um, so this does not absolve these Republicans, but I, I do, you know, I'll put a little asterisk there. What do you think? Well, I think the, to do it after the fact was 100% disingenuous and, yes. and, the deliberate intent to disenfranchise people who voted legitimately based on what the state courts had decided. I mean, you can, you can be, well, maybe the courts shouldn't have had this authority. And I, I think it's a pretty cramping of the constitution to say that legislatures have unchecked power, a, a document that is wholly based on checks and balances uh, that a legislature has power that no court can have, have any interpretation of that. That cannot be balanced at all with I mean, what's in the state constitution. I don't have it in front of me. But I think it's pretty specific that like the state legislature shall determine the rules and manage and oversee elections. But there, but the but the U.S. Congress has enumerated powers, but the Supreme Court still 
reviews it and interprets it. That's what the judici- that's the whole point of the judiciary. You can look go well, back and read the federalist papers. Whatever uh, the case may be, that should have been challenged at the time. Yeah. So once so, so once the election occurs, yes. And either you didn't challenge it beforehand or you lost that challenge uh, and the votes are cast by the rules that were agreed upon, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, now here we are, though, right? I mean, we've had uh, we've had Steve Scalise, we've had uh, Jim Jordan, um, we had uh, Emmer, Emmer, Tom Emmer, uh, straight out of Minnesota, I want to say. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now, so we're on our fourth nominee, the mm-hmm. fourth. In the future, everyone will get to be the Speaker of the House nominee for 15 minutes. <laughs> so we're on our, we're on, I think, our fourth. Um, it, Bill, it, it seems like now. Last week we recorded, kind of on the bubble, and uh, we said we don't think Jordan will become Speaker, but you never know. I think today we're we're starting to be like, eh, maybe this one could happen. What, yeah, what no, I, I think it's looking pretty good. The, the various people, you know, he's coming from the right, but. The more moderate types have been saying they're going to they're going to support him. Uh, you know, th- I think there were a couple of people that voted present in their internal vote yesterday who said, "Okay, we're going to vote for him on the floor." Uh, so I'm not aware of anybody vocally saying I am not going to vote for him on the floor. Um, and you know, I, I, I had on the last show, I had said, "What you I think two or three shows ago, I said. I think it's more lucky that the moderates fall in line for a conservative than the far right folks fall in line for a relative moderate. Then after Jim Jordan got snuffed, I said, okay, well, maybe, maybe I was wrong on that one. But here we are, where it does seem like the moderates are going to fall in line behind uh, a person with a, with, a, with a very hard right record, uh, not only on the election den- denialism stuff, but he's also uh, been a uh, opponent of Ukraine aid, which is a sensitive subject right now. It's going to come up very soon. Um, I believe we voted against the continuing resolution to keep the government open. Um, and he's also espoused some very hard right social conservative views. I was telling, talking about over, beforehand, he complained about a, a TV cartoon called Little Demon because uh, his 11-year-old was watching TV with him and an ad for it came on the screen. And this is a goofy show about Satan's child. Um, that that tries to live a normal life in Delaware, and he treated it like it was like straight up propaganda supporting Satanism. Um, so there's a lot, there's that sort of weird stuff in there. Uh, so if moderates were worried about having a face of the party that's not great for swing voters, they have reason to be concerned. Uh, I think. If you're a Democrat, you have reason to be concerned that you can't be very confident this person is going to keep the government open or support aid to Ukraine uh, and 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 possibly be a, a good faith actor after the 2024 election. Yeah. Uh, so now it'll be interesting, though, Bill, because even though it does feel like uh, he is inching now toward having enough votes. um, and, you know, 217 or, or, or whatever that number will be. There are members like Ken Buck, um, full disclosure, he's a client of my wife. Um, but uh, Ken Buck said previously that he would not support anybody who uh, did not acknowledge the 2020 election victory of Joe Biden. I think I think that's correct that, that Buck said that. Um, and so you can only lose like four congressmen. So will someone like buck change or or you know um what's this guy's name bill um i'm i apologize um i was looking up something that's okay uh, that's all right uh multitask who's, who's the guy running uh for speaker currently oh mike right? johnson mike johnson see that's how unfamiliar i am with him <laughs> i literally do not know the guy's name and it sounds like a fake name i'm going to say that maybe an alias mike johnson uh, although you could do you could probably do mike do better. But anyway, um, this guy, uh, Mike Johnson, as you noted, Bill, I mean, he temperamentally seems more moderate. And then maybe that is is the key to, to this, that the reason he might actually be able to pull it off. Well, I, I, he, he 
Yeah, I don't know what he told the more moderate types. So apparently when Jim Jordan was trying to get it, he was reaching out to the more moderate types and trying to assuage them. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to shut the government down. Uh, I got a plan to keep the government open. Uh, uh, we can talk about Ukraine aid. He wasn't coming in hard and fast on it, uh, but he couldn't. He didn't have enough trust in folks for them to feel really confident, so they didn't. Uh, they didn't acquiesce. Uh, I know in the speaker forum that that recently happened that, that Johnson was a part of. They were kind of skirting those issues, uh, and so I don't know if he's had any kind of quieter conversations to put people at ease, or they're just like crossing the fingers and saying, "I'm sick of all this. We got to go with somebody." Um, but it's certainly an unknown what exactly he's going to do for the issues that are at hand. We have a deadline on November 17th to keep the government open because the the stopgap bill runs out. We have a supplemental package that Biden has proposed for aid to Ukraine and Israel uh, and the southern border um, uh, that some people want to separate on the the right because they don't want Israel to be attached to Ukraine. They want to vote on those separately. And we just don't know what Johnson is going to do on these yeah. things. And, 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 and trying to be asked questions point blank by reports yesterday about the, the election in 2020, he got booed by the Congress people. So um, I, I was distracted before, Matt, because I was rereading what the Washington Post Greg Sargent wrote yesterday morning, which was headlined The Quiet Vindication of Akeem Jeffries. And he leads with, when Democrats refused to save Kevin McCarthy from the hard right faction of House members who ousted the California Republican as speaker this month, the pundit recriminations were thunderous and damning. Democrats had, quote unquote, burned the future possibilities of bipartisanship. They squandered the chance to own, quote, the adult brand, unquote. They should have, quote, saved the country, unquote, but betrayed it instead. I think this is a subtweet of us, Bill. I, I well, it's a think- direct subtweet of you <laughs> because. The adult brand quote links to your piece. Uh, he didn't link to my piece, so I may not have been on his mind. Um, but all those folks were making more of the "you should be the bigger person" argument, whereas you know mm-hmm. my argument was a little different. My argument was it is good for Democrats to have someone who's going to keep the government open and and reduce chaos and enhance stability. Uh, so. Uh, he may not have been thinking of my take here, uh, but he then goes on to say, but now the Republicans still struggling to elect the speaker. Democrat strategy largely charted by minority leader Hakeem Jeffries is plainly working. The New York Democrats approach to navigating the GOP disaster isn't just proving to be good politics for his party. It's likely to produce a better result for the country as well. Uh, and I think that latter this, argument. This was when Tom Emmer was looking to be the likely yeah, I mean, it was before those votes came in um, and Democrats were possibly going to vote present to support Emmer, right. To allow him to, I mean, there was talk about that. There was some talk about it. Um, but it's not going to happen for this guy. The, the piece ends by saying rather than once again, expecting Democrats to rush and help Republicans clean up their own mess, it would require the GOP to take responsibility for what's happening in its ranks and compel the party to seriously entertain working with Democrats to make the House a functional governing body again, uh, which seems like it's not going to happen. Uh, so, like, I think it's still, I think it is possible that Mike Johnson is a Nixon goes to China type of conservative, and maybe he does keep the government open and has enough good faith with the Matt Gaetzes of the of the conference to allow him to do that. Uh, so I don't want to. I don't want to go the opposite way and say like, you know, well, I'm totally right. And you're totally wrong. You know, maybe it still works out in the end. Maybe maybe he doesn't throw the 2024 election in total disarray despite his denialism before. You know, people can do unpredictable things. Uh, but I think on the face of it, Johnson is not an immediate upgrade from McCarthy. Yeah, uh, he has not. The way this process played out did not disempower the Gates Eight. Uh, they, it has not moved the Republican conference closer to the moderate Democrats. Uh, 
they are still operating on what can we do to keep our, our, our own party unified? And that doesn't automatically make it easier to keep the government open and fund Ukraine. Maybe it still works out, uh, but I, st- I, don't, I don't feel like I was mistaken in saying this was an unnecessary gamble to take. And now you got an even harder character and a harder GOP conference to deal with. That's where I would land. Yeah, on no, I, I think you and I, our our argument is pretty much non-falsifiable. <laughs> we we never said this is a sure loser for Democrats. I, I think we said this that the stakes are high and the gamble's not worth it because you could end up with someone much worse. And being second in line to the presidency um, and uh, someone who may not fund Ukraine, someone who may not be able to keep the government open, someone who could maybe even tank the economy uh, at at some point. Um, And so it's just it's not worth the gamble is what we said. And, and, you know, maybe it'll maybe it will work out for Dems. Um, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have taken the chance. And if you want to argue, this is getting to be a trope now, Bill, like a cliche, but if you want to argue that MAGA is an existential threat to this nation, then you shouldn't be in the business of enabling and, and empowering, um, people who are the most vociferous advocates of it. Well, there's, I think there's sort of two, schools of thought on the, on the Democratic side here. One was that they're all MAGA. Yeah. They're all equally terrible. Uh, and it's not our it's not our place or responsibility to fix that problem for you. If you're going to swap McCarthy out for someone who's equally terrible, and we don't think McCarthy, we, we think McCarthy is terrible. We don't trust him to keep the government open. We don't trust him on Ukraine. Uh, so if they have to spend three weeks hashing out amongst themselves and pick someone who's also awful, that's just not my problem. Uh, and now you have this other argument that's unnecessarily wholly separate from it, uh, that, but that Sarge articulated, which is uh, we have a good chance here of making things better out of the chaos by, make, by proving that the hard right is implacable and then leaving you no choice but to work with us. And again... That that it, that may still work out on an issue by issue basis, as it was with McCarthy. Yeah, well, and uh, it's the same thing as when Democrats were literally supporting MAGA candidates. For well, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. Those things are analogous, but go on. Oh, I do. But uh, for those who might have forgotten, there were numerous times during the twenty twenty two midterms when Democrats elevated, including financially, um, MAGA candidates because they thought they would be easier to, to defeat. And in fact, it turned out it worked for Democrats. Well, that's, that's that's why I disagree with you. I mean, I don't want to rehash an old argument, but I think that was done very surgically where the chance of success were very high. Uh, and and, that, and it, you know, they, they didn't do it haphazardly. They didn't like, they didn't really elevate anybody who uh, had a really good chance of actually getting into power and making matters worse, uh, you know, after the election, you know, this I think is different where you had a person, Kevin McCarthy, who was, you know, yet, you know, set aside his rhetoric, which was uh, annoying and disingenuous and frustrating and look at the bills he was putting on the floor uh, at the end of the process and say, you know what, he's actually doing what all we can really expect the guy can do for us here. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, I think you're right. Didn't have the I trust mean, to see it that way. I just I, I don't like playing with matches in general, but I do think you 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 have a, it's a distinction. It's a fair distinction that I think it's it's riskier what they're doing, um, what they're doing in the speaker. I will say, do you remember? I believe Democrats um, boosted was it Mastriano in Pennsylvania? Is that right? And he's a uh, kind of a MAGA candidate. Um, oh, kinda. He's. <laughs> And right. And then so but the as I recall now, it's been a while, but as I recall, the the governor of Pennsylvania um, would have had some sort of power and maybe in picking the secretary secretary of state. state. Um, And so when you think when Pennsylvania could be the difference between uh, overturning an election, that becomes a, a pretty high stakes 
bet. Now it paid off for them. I mean, I mean, but, and it wasn't close. I mean, that I, I think they they read the room correctly. This guy's got no chance winning statewide, and he had no chance winning statewide. Listen, while we're talking Pennsylvania, I want to talk about your boy Fetterman. Yeah, um, I have not been a fan of his in general over the years. You, you, you had to go the trust fund knock on him, right? I did. Yeah, he's in filthy rich politicians. Um, because, you know, he comes across as this, you know, blue collar everyman. And in fact, he couldn't have gotten where he is had his dad not subsidized his income for, you know, many, many years. While he was mayor, he was he was mayor of a uh, working class city with a mayor position that was that was not properly salaried. He was not really meant to be a full time position. And so he got to be mayor because he was. He was being financially supported by his family. Yeah. At the age of like 45 or something. This isn't like 25. But whatever the case, he has won me over at least this week, Bill. Um, uh, I don't know what has happened, but he in the last month or so has come back with a vengeance after, you know, kind of being down and out. And I'm liking his tweets. I don't know what it is. It seems like he's on fire, Bill. Well, the one that you really like that you share with me, uh, there was some item about, I think it was Mike Lee wants to put forth a, a bill to separate Israel aid and Ukraine aid. And Fetterman tweeted, uh, F that using yeah. the full F bomb. Uh, I don't know why that, that, that tickled me <laughs> as they say. It, it well, tickled I mean, me. He's, he's going full Bullworth, you know, he's just, he's being himself. What's that? Bullworth or Bullworth, right. either way. <laughs> uh, you know, it may well be that he's not even worrying about whether he's going to run again or not. Uh, he may be one term and out for all I yeah. know. Um, well, you know, I haven't seen Bullworth in a while, but I, I think once you are liberated and you have no Fs left to give, um, ironically, that could make you super popular. Like once you don't care anymore, once you quit caring then uh, it comes together, and it seems like that's happening. I don't I know. Mean, and he, and he, he was he was always kind of like that. Uh, not that he had no political calibrations at all, because I think he did. Uh, you know, he definitely did a dance on fracking, for example. Um, but he always had an unvarnished uh, air to him. And when he first got into the Senate, he went through a very severe bout of depression. So you weren't really seeing that all that much. And now that he has gone out of. Um, uh, being hospitalized for it, uh, I, I can't know if he's like all better. I'm sure it's certainly not cut and as cut and dry as that. But you're you're definitely seeing uh, his persona shine through again, uh, and just not really worrying about if this what, what this means from politically going forward. Now, I I think if if he hadn't had a stroke, and he hadn't gone through this this severe bout of depression. Uh, he would have been talked about very readily as a VP possibility or potential presidential possibility, uh, future of the Democratic Party. Demo this is how Democrats get back, you know, working class Democrats in, in Pennsylvania and the Midwest again. Uh, and that talk is obviously, you know, not, not happening. Uh, and, and maybe if it had been happening, he might have been a little bit more careful. He might have been a little bit more, okay, I got to really, you know, adhere to the dress code and... Uh, show that I can be, you know, an adult here. And since that's, I think, not really on the table, just letting it all, letting his freak flag fly, which I think is great. I think it, I, I, I don't think it's hurting his his ability to do the job. Uh, it may mean that he doesn't run it next time, which I think would be fine if he feels, you know, what I've I've been through a lot. Uh, I, I have a lot of health issues I got to I got to take care of, and it's time it's time for the next person. That, that's his, his personal decision. That's fine. Uh, but it also comes out as like people in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania say, I like this guy. And I wasn't so sure, but you know, this is the kind of guy I was kind of hoping for. And that would be fine too. Well, Bill, speaking of people who are, you know, mentioned as vice president or, or possible candidates to, uh, to inherit the mantle from Joe Biden. Did you see that California governor Gavin Newsom is meeting with Chinese leader Xi? Did you see this? I think I think I did see that. That seems interesting to me. I don't I know. Mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, California is a massive economy of its own. And I, I think 
uh, I think Pacific trade missions from, from California governors are not unusual. I don't know if there have been meetings with the Chinese yeah. leader before, but it wouldn't shock me if, 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 if it's not unprecedented. Interesting, nonetheless. All right. So um, I, sorry for that, you know, de- getting derailed in Pennsylvania there for a second. But um, I guess just to kind of close the loop, um, we have this pro- probably later today, of course, as we're recording, uh, a, a vote for speaker. I assume that Democrats will not help Johnson. No, of course not. Not, Absolutely not. They're all, they're all so, he, Jeffries. so he kind of need. he can only afford to lose, I think, four Republicans. Depending who, who shows up. I mean, there might right. be some absentees or, I mean, theory presence, but I think that's so the basic might, assumption. Maybe it goes multiple votes. We'll have to kind of wait and wait and see how that that plays out. Um, we should talk about the plea deals that have been cropping up in the in the Trump cases. But I want to for I want I want to preface that because I, I wrote a piece in the Washington Monthly newsletter yesterday, which I subheaded um, "Why Republicans Can't Fix Themselves." This is before the uh, the Johnson. Uh, nomination, but it doesn't, it doesn't undercut it, you know? And the point I was trying to make was the reason why the speaker battle has gotten so complicated was because, you know, a speaker vote is typically just about personal relationships. It's just an insider game. It's not really the forum for bigger philosophical, ideological questions. Uh, And and certainly personal relationships, I'm sure, I'm sure, are still part of this. But we've we had things derailed because of questions about spending levels and questions about Ukraine, questions about shutdown tactics uh, that that made unity difficult for Republicans. And the point I was making was we don't usually hash these these things out in speaker votes. We tend to hash when when there are divides that crop up because of new uh, challenges, we tend to hash these things out of presidential primaries. That is a useful uh, mechanism to adjudicate what, what direction is this party going in. You know, Reagan took the party on a conservative course from the 76 primary, which he came up short in, and then the 80 primary, which he triumphed. You know, uh, Bill Clinton took the party on a moderate course via the 92 primary. Barack Obama recalibrated Democratic foreign policy, the 2008 primary, and Joe, even though there was this uprise of youthful democratic socialism, Joe Biden said that's not what this party is about, and that and that took the party on its course after 2020. Um, right now, we're not having that in the Republican primary in 2024. You know, Trump has essentially essentially on a glide path to the nomination at this point. But it's not really been a debate over Trumpism. We're not debating the underlying issues of it at all. I mean, there's obviously some nominal debate happening in the debates, but which Trump is not participating in, so no one's really paying attention. Uh, so, like Trump being the nominee doesn't really provide a clear mandate amongst rank and file Republicans saying we're an America First party. We don't want Ukraine aid. Uh, uh, we're not even debating budget levels here in the. Uh, and shut down tactics in the primary. So Trump has always been an impurity in what had been a conservative consensus in the Republican Party. And so that so he, he creates ideological division in the party, and we're not really adjudicating and resolving it through the presidential primary. And the fact that you could add, so just to be more even more convoluted. The fact that we're having these plea deals happen from people inside the Trump circle, you know, in a normal world, this would be causing five alarm panic that we're on the verge of nominating someone in severe legal jeopardy. But instead, there's this shrug of the shoulders. Well, what are you going to do? It's just he's he's our guy. But well, he's our guy because because this goes. This reminds me, personal Bill. Bond, not because of issues. I think that's all right. And, you know, you were kind of on top of this with the primary. I mean, if you want to pinpoint the date that Ron DeSantis lost, it was March 30th. Yeah. The the first the day the first indictment was handed down. If you look, we can now look back at the polling 
And uh, that I think it, on March 30th, Ron DeSantis was 16 points down from Trump. And every day since then, the the gap has essentially widened. Yeah. Right. And that's the day Trump was indicted. Um, and so uh, it doesn't hurt him. It doesn't hurt him. But I will well, say well, the opposite. I mean, it, it helps actively, him. Yeah. It helped him. I, mean, I mean, this is so warped. I mean, it's you got to step, step back like this party has gotten so twisted up that it's set aside. I mean, you look at polling, there's there's clear internal division amongst Republicans about Ukraine. Uh, the biggest foreign policy challenge that the world faces, you know, next to, you know, the Middle East. Uh, and uh, that just gets papered over, even though Trump is is holding a very, just to be terrible, very controversial view on this subject. And mind you, has a, as we talked about in the past show, in my past comments, a very fraught relationship with the current Israeli prime minister, bizarrely so. Uh, none of that is being discussed because the fact that Trump is being indicted has caused a circle the wagons effect. Uh for no rational reason, for a visceral emotional reason. Yes. Um, no, I mean, that w- under normal conditions, the indictment would have destroyed a normal candidate. Never mind, four indictments and two impeachments. But, you know, Trump has these superpowers within the Republican Party. And uh, they'd rather, if, if, if love and Trump is wrong, they don't want to be right, Bill. And so that's just kind of where it is. And Again, the big turning point uh, for DeSantis, it was over the day that Trump was indicted. And we could say maybe if DeSantis had handled it differently, we can always have that debate. But the bottom line is um, that it, you know, anything that would whatever doesn't kill Trump makes him stronger. And, uh, you know, it's tempting when you start to see all of these close confidants of Donald Trump, people who were part of his uh, elite strike force, the Kraken. They are pleading, you know, pleading guilty, uh, presumably going to testify against Trump. And you would normally be tempted to write a lead that goes something like this. The walls are closing in on Donald Trump. And you can't write that because that has been written a hundred times and the walls never actually close in on Donald Trump. Um, so we probably should wrap prison. I want to ask you two things before we close. Um so one is, this is sort of an unfair pundity question. Okay, I've got Arizona in seven. Next question. <laughs> How many Republican presidential candidates drop out before Iowa? Before Iowa. Before Iowa. Um. Well, I don't know how many are still in the race. Okay, so uh, I mean, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a cut. I think for the next debate. Yeah. Uh, that's not. Totally determined yet, but I I think right now I think I mean I think oh, Mike Pence I think Mike Pence gets out yeah before Iowa okay so there's one Christie I'm gonna say Christie stays in maybe maybe he shouldn't I mean he at this point I mean I think Christie's entire premise his entire argument was he's gonna get Donald Trump on the debate stage and remember I I was sympathetic I thought he would you. Uh, knew he wouldn't, and you turned out <laughs> to be right. Um, and I think once that happened, Christie becomes ir- irrelevant. Like the whole, there is no, there is no need for a Chris Christie to be in this race at that point. Uh, Tim Scott, I think Tim Scott stays in because I think he could pull off. If anyone could pull off, he's one of the people who could pull off kind of a miracle surprise win, like a Rick Santorum win in Iowa. So I think Tim Scott stays in through Iowa. Haley. I think she stays in. DeSantis? I'm going to say he drops out. Ramaswamy? He stays in. So you think they'll, we will not have an acclamation ahead of Iowa. There will be I don't a think contest so. in Iowa. No, I think, I think Pence is out before Iowa and DeSantis is out. And I think in both cases, it's to avoid embarrassment uh, further uh, to avoid further. I mean, what, what's more embarrassing? I think lose. I think coming in last is more embarrassing, and, and 
Um, but you tell me. You asked me. Uh, am, am I crazy? Or, no, or, or is I, that... I, that, that's all fairly reasonable. I mean, I, I generally believe that staying in is largely a question of do you have the money to pay your staff and to get on a plane? Uh, and if you have the money to stay in, you stay in just in case something happens. Um, and, uh, you know, Christy, like maybe he's got enough super PAC bankrolling him because people just like the show and he can hang on till Iowa. I mean, he clearly, clearly enjoys getting the TV time that he gets. So I, I, he, yeah. I don't think he has to worry about like, being embarrassed. Iowa. If he can hang on, he'll hang on. Uh, like Pence is looking like the money is drying up. Um, uh, I, I, it seems like Haley has gone in some influx of cash. Um, so maybe well, she can hang around. And Scott's yeah. been sitting on a lot of cash. Uh, I wonder if Scott might be like a Kamala who probably could have stayed in, but say, you know what? Maybe it's just better for me and my future prospects if I get out and avoid the embarrassment. Uh, maybe Scott could be the VP. I can for see that because it does. I don't think he's got the fire in the belly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not ambitious. Um, but what I'm saying is, I don't think he has to be president to be yeah. happy. You know what right. I mean? Whereas some people um, are, you know, cannot cannot. I, I think he would be pretty happy to be a, just to be a U.S. senator. And he he's he's done himself some good. He's raised his name ID. Uh, he's helped himself. So yeah, he may he may get out for that reason. And um, uh, you know, DeSantis' money is definitely on the decline. You know, he has Super PAC helping him out. Um, so maybe he wants to hang on for dear life. Maybe he's that stubborn, but I'm sure it, it's it's not implausible. He's going to say, like, I, I just can't limp across the finish line here. This isn't going to work. Give, here's my chance to kiss Trump's ass again, like I did when I first ran for governor and try to. Uh, restore some burnt bridges before and, and be able, so I can try to save my career in the future. So second question, Bill. So probably we don't have a total acclimation uh, before Iowa, but assuming Trump wins Iowa, I imagine everyone drops out right after that. So my other yeah, question you to know, you, Matt, is what do you make crazy. of Dean Phillips, who apparently is on the verge of announcing uh, by the end of the week, because the Friday is the New Hampshire filing deadline. He did not file for Nevada, who's not on the Nevada ballot, which is an early primary. New Hampshire is not even a sanctioned primary for Democrats because they move their dates around. New Hampshire doesn't want to play ball. Biden's not going to be on the ballot there. Uh, but apparently Dean Phillips is thinking, I'm going to do a uh, Eugene McCarthy thing in 68 where Lyndon Johnson wasn't on the ballot. But you go up there and you try to embarrass him and force him out of the race. We've seen a video of his bus. He has a bus with his Dean Phillips for, for president, you know, slapped on the side. Uh, he has apparently a permit for an event on, on in New Hampshire on Friday. Um, does this matter at all? I don't think so. Um, it, it is interesting, right, that you've got these, these two wildly unpopular candidates Biden versus Trump. I mean, just both of their approval ratings are low. I think Biden's is lower than Trump's, despite the two indict the, the four indictments and the two impeachments. Um, and yet, both are sailing as of now to the nomination of their respective parties. I mean, I I think you, you could make a case where someone ought to get in and challenge Biden, and where he is vulnerable and um and all that. Uh, I don't think Dean Phillips is going to be the one to pull that that maneuver off. Uh, yeah, he's not he, he's not positioned to do this well, and I imagine he will it will be a very sad and depressing affair for him. Uh, and I'm not seeing polls yet. Uh, I, I to do it in the middle of a crisis is actually is somewhat analogous to. Ted Candy's challenge to Jimmy Carter in 1980, which happened in the midst of the Iran hostage crisis, when there was a big rally around the flag effect for Jimmy Carter. Uh, and it made the premise of Kennedy's candidacy awkward from the get-go. I mean, he managed to find his footing to some degree and win some primaries and, and make a show of it. But um, uh, 
uh, it was hard to explain why you want to challenge your own party's presidency in the middle of a serious foreign policy crisis, which Dean Phillips is doing right now. Uh, you're not seeing a big rally around the flag effect to Biden yet. I see a very slight uptick in his job approval in the real clear politics average since the, the attack happened. Uh, I think Biden has carried himself very well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let me say, I mean, he's, he's up in the matameter. Um, uh, that just that one, the speech specifically, the speech that Biden gave, I thought was fantastic. I mean, um, I think there's some people that still see him as looking kind of haggard. Like, I, I don't think the dementia argument really holds a lot of water anymore. Um, well, I, I've baked, I've baked him into the cake. I, I'm, I'm not rating him on his charisma yeah. or his, you know, ex- being it exciting. I'm just talking. If you, if you go read the speech that Joe Biden gave, it was Reagan esque in many ways. Mm-hmm. He is now carrying the mantle of. You know, or call it Kennedy ask, Barony Penny Price, Barony Burden, but mm-hmm. peace through strength. Uh Ray, meanwhile, Donald Trump is is criticizing our allies and 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 praising in some ways our enemies uh and sucking up to them, where Biden is really providing I thought it was a moral clarity. And I think he was really espousing kind of a a Reaganite worldview in, in terms of foreign policy. If if you believe in the stuff Reagan said about the evil empire and and uh, about America, the shining city on a hill, America being a beacon, a force for good, like that's all in Joe Biden's speech. Of course, the the, the catch for Biden is that not every Democrat wants a Reaganite foreign policy. Uh, yeah. Look, I think that you know Biden is definitely uh, strengthening his bond with the with the Jewish community. Uh, including some progressive Jews, or the progressive Jewish community is divided over over this, um, uh, and he may be hurting himself in Arab American communities, the Muslim American communities, uh, like Michigan. By the way, Michigan is the one state where that yeah. could really make, make make a difference, and so maybe that ends up being a wash in your overall job approval. Um, but uh, I, I just think it is. Regardless of your view of the policy, I think the performance, like he he looks like he is in control of the situation as best as a American president can. He doesn't look like he doesn't know where he's standing. He doesn't doesn't know who the prime minister's name is. You know, he uh, he has he has a view. He has a philosophy. Uh, he has a set of principles and he's acting on them. Uh, and, uh, whereas on the Republican side, Trump as the standard bearer has a more muddled view uh, of what we should be doing right now. You know, he, he says stand with Israel, uh, but he, uh, says that the Israeli prime minister, you know, betrayed him personally. And he's very much, uh, on the opposite side of where Biden is when it comes to Ukraine. He wants to not fund Ukraine and, uh, trade away Ukrainian land for for peace with Russia. Uh, so there is a potential for a very clear contrast in a Trump Biden race on on this subject, and and I would think that would boost Biden up from like forty percent approval over time. I can't say it with confidence. Uh, it's certainly not happening instantaneously. Uh, but I would think I some of the people economy, kind of like, I'm worried, the people who are just like, I'm worried he's just too old for the job. I would think there would be some reassurance that he can handle the job based on recent performance. Yeah. We'll see if anything matters. I mean, I think the age thing is, is, is tough to overcome. Um, and then the economy, you know, and inflation. Um, so if it's about the economy, Trump wins. If it is about liberal democ- defending liberal democracy, Biden went. I mean, I think I, it's that. Simple, I, I do. I don't. I just wait till you to say that the economy is a clear point in Trump's favor. We still got, still got a runway here. We're still in the midst of the soft landing, in my opinion. So I think the trajectory is on a good, on a good, on a good direction for the economy to be a point in Biden's favor come November twenty twenty four. I think you're, you know, hope you're right. Think you're optimistic. Um, tar- you know, uh, buying groceries. Uh, 
I buy groceries. Buy a house right now. I mean, I think it's it's a tough thing to do. Um, the American dream seems to be slipping from people. And uh, look, I I don't think we can blame Joe Biden. I think it's like uh, music, you know, musical chairs or whatever. But he's president, and the music stopped for a lot of people. So I, I'm in the grocery store. I'm at the gas station pump. You know, prices have have leveled, uh, and I don't think it's necessarily going to be a point of irritation. A year from now, if the current trajectory continues, I mean, if things you'd be you proud know. of me, Bill, I pulled a uh, somebody put a a sticker of of Joe Biden pointing to the price of gas on a gas pump saying I did. Yeah, this. I, I was seeing that two years ago. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I don't pulled, know uh, where, I, where I am right now. I'm buying gas for about three forty, um, which is like maybe a little bit higher than it was at the end of Trump. Of course, the Trump, the prices collapsed because we're in the middle of the pandemic. So yeah. it's not a good benchmark. Like, like three forty is not like a crazy price for gas. You're, you're five dollars. That's much more eye shocking. Um, Bill, final thoughts or plugs? Um, well, you know, check out the Washington Monthly Newsletter. I got to decide what I'm going to write about for for tomorrow uh, for my my weekly column. But you can you can sign up for the Washington Monthly Newsletter both at the WashingtonMonthly.com website and at Substack. Shout out to Tyson Badgent. Do you know about this guy, Bill? I do not. Graduate of Martinsburg High School in West Virginia, graduate of Shepherd University. Your university. Where I went to school. I am, by the way, I am the most, as of today, still considered the most notable graduate, which is a rather dubious distinction, <laughs> I am well aware, but maybe not for long because this kid, Tyson Badgent, uh, is an undrafted free agent. He was basically the backup to the backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And he won his first, won the first NFL game he's ever started last week. So uh, we maybe he'll be a flash in the pan or maybe he's the next Brock Purdy, um, you know, uh, Kurt Warner type of guy, uh, underestimated by everybody. So it's fun to see a homeboy doing well in the NFL, Bill. Uh, well, I, I have some football news to share with you, Matt. Uh, the uh, Northampton uh, Middle School uh, Blue Vikings uh, are in uh, first end of the season in first place, so they get a bye week, and so I think they have to win one game to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, and I'm uh, my youngest is on is on the cheer squad, so I'm going to all the games now, Matt. Be very proud what of I me. I love I'm about living, you, the American dream here. You live the most middle American life of anyone, the most conservative lifestyle of anybody I know. You're going to Friday Night Lights, your daughter's cheering at the games. Uh, you know, you are living the dream. I have to say. Good morning you, you in America, be, Matt. I know you could be in West Virginia. I mean, welcome welcome to the real world of America. And it, amazingly, it's in Northampton, Massachusetts. <laughs> All right. Good to talk to you, Matt. Good talking to you. I'm not sure that anybody learned much, uh, but now we know who Tyson Badgent is. Uh, some guy named Johnson, uh, who may or may not become speaker, and uh, just you know, stay tuned. And and maybe we'll uh, have to do an emergency episode if this whole thing falls apart. But Fair enough. Hopefully that won't happen. All right. Until next week. Yeah.